Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We thank God for His grace and His mercy and leading us into a new month. You know, it's the month of March in 2023. So after this, it's Easter, and then it's Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas. That's basically how time flies by these days. If you think about it, we just had a Christmas service, and we're getting ready. We're thinking about it again. So I have a word in my heart this morning that I want to share with you, of course, but I want us to, just for a second... Just understand what God is doing in the season also through the messages that we've been hearing the last few weeks and coming into a new year full of excitement and expectation. It's always so easy just to fall back into the mundane and the routines of everyday life and lose that zeal and that vigor that God gives us at the start of a new year when we become all excited for what He wants to do and the plans that He has for us. And we say things like, this year is my year, and this year I will. And very soon, we sort of step into our old ways and our old habits. And soon, life seems to just overshadow the things and the excitement that God has placed in our hearts. I'm going to speak about purpose this morning, and specifically, finding our purpose in God's plan. You know that God has a plan? And that he shares that plan with us. It's not hidden from us. And so he wants to open up that plan to you afresh this morning. And he wants you to understand your purpose in that plan. When you leave here today, or by the time we get through, I have faith, and I will pray with you, that you will have a greater expectation and a deeper sense of what God is calling you to in this season. Oftentimes we speak about purpose and we always hear the question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Why did God create me? Why did he place me in this city? Why did he give me this job? Why did he call me to study this? All the whys. And it's easy to get frustrated and miss our purpose because we try to uncover and discover that purpose outside of God's plan. God has a plan and we are to cooperate with him in executing that plan on the earth. Amen? Amen. I want to, just by means of opening the text this morning, go to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 6 to 10. Uh, I think I've taken all the scriptures this morning from the New Living Translation just to To help us understand, it's certainly easier to understand, but also that you must understand that So when I came along, a new living translation was a blessing to me, and I could just understand things, and the Lord has really used this translation to bless me, and so that is the only reason I'm using it. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10, Yet, when I am among mature believers, I do speak, with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. 
No. The wisdom we speak is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. St. Paul is saying here that he indeed understands that God's plan at some point during the ages had been a mystery. At some point, this plan had been hidden from men. At some point, God withheld the mystery and his heart and his desire for people. But he says the time has now come where this mystery has been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And his plan for us is no longer hidden. And he ends this portion by saying, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. You, you will never have a sense of the purpose and the plan of God outside the work of his Holy Spirit. It says, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. In the book of Ephesians, which quite literally reads like a commentary on Paul's other letters, we see the fulfillment of this thought that he has in Corinthians. In Ephesians, he reveals the things that God has prepared for those who love him, and further reinforces the fact that God indeed has a plan. But what is that plan? Have you uncovered the plan of God? Do you understand the plan of God? Five times in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, Paul mentions the words, his plan. That's just in one chapter in the entire book. Five times he refers to God's plan. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 3 to 6, Paul writing and he says, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his Spirit has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And then verse 6 he says, And this is God's plan, that both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. I want just to repeat verse 6 because here he quite literally says, and this is God's plan, that both Gentiles and Jews who believe, in other words, all who believe, share equally the riches inherited by God's children. 
And in verse 7 he says, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. As I said earlier, you and I only have purpose within the plan of God. And we often fast forward because we don't know our purpose, but we need to realize that it's important to first understand the plan of God. What does he want to do in the earth? What is he here for? What, what is the work of the Spirit right now at this time? So how do we understand this plan? You can know the facts about the plan, but to really understand the plan, it requires a revelation. Because these are facts that are available to everybody. Anybody, believer or non-believer, can read that it says here, and this is God's plan, that both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Any man can read that. Any person can understand what Paul is saying here. But it requires revelation by the Holy Spirit of God for you to truly understand and to act on what St. Paul is saying here. Revelation is a spiritual exercise that will always require natural discipline. There's no such thing as, I just want revelation, Lord, show me. Just show me, by the way. Just show me. I'm not going to commit myself to anything or submit to anything or walk in your ways. I just want to know. God doesn't reveal anything to anybody who is neither hot nor cold. God doesn't reveal anything to anybody who just says, I don't know, Lord, maybe it's your will, maybe it's not that I would understand. Just show me anyway. I'll decide what to do with the revelation. It requires natural discipline, intimacy with God, and proper positioning and alignment so we can hear from God. From my own walk, I've come to understand that these are the elements required to be fully prepared to understand God's plan and to live the life knowing that God's heart is for me to discover my purpose in his plan. So discipline, intimacy, and positioning. Why discipline? Because God only blesses order and unity. Discipline speaks of order. Discipline speaks of unity. We don't just do anything any which way we want, wherever we want. Where there's unity, where there's unity, the Bible says. In other words, where there's order. The Bible also speaks about the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. The steps, not the wayward manner of the righteous. The steps. Steps speak about one after the other. A rhythm from one position to the next. Orderly. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Intimacy is important because intimacy is the platform for impartation. Again, anybody can read these things to you and teach the things that we teach and preach and and whatever they have to share. But impartation takes place when you and I come into the place where we have intimacy with the Spirit because then my heart is prepared vulnerable, open, and transparent to receive that which God wants to impart to me. And why positioning? Because God only shares his burden when you are correctly aligned for accountability, spiritual coaching, and the provision of the resources you require to exercise your purpose. 
You can only truly walk in purpose and cooperate with the plan of God with the resources that the Spirit has given you. Any other time or anything else other than that, you will be trying to do it in your own strength. And this is what Paul said earlier, that these things were revealed to me by His grace, and it was made possible through His power. Paul is clear that he first understood the plan and then got to enjoy the privilege of living out his purpose in God's plan. And you can only discover your purpose when you know God's plan. And his plan is for all men to enjoy the riches of his promised blessing. Again, he said in Ephesians 3, and this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Remember the Gentiles were those who simply put were anybody, any person outside of the Jewish heritage. Any person who the Bible sometimes refers to as those who worship other gods, those from outside children or the family of God. And Paul understands that it is his mission to help the Gentiles who believe to access the riches of the Father's promised blessing. And he realizes that his purpose is not unto himself. Although he was saved by the same marvelous grace and exercises the same faith and the same spirit working in his life, he very soon after his calling realizes that I've been called to a people to be a blessing. And that is the purpose of blessing for you and I. That we are blessed to be a blessing. And that primarily is your purpose. Blessed to be a blessing, not unto myself. And so often we live far below the promised blessings, as Paul says it here. Sometimes God has wonderful things in store for us, and he wants us to access his amazing grace, and he wants us to be healed and to be whole and to be well, and he wants us to be cared for and provided for. But oftentimes we don't access the riches of his promised blessing because we try to either do it in our own strength or we resign to the fact that maybe this is not for me. But Paul says for Gentiles and Jews, everybody is supposed to share in the promised blessings of God's riches. Everybody. The old covenant was there to make us understand what God has in store for his people for the Jewish people, the people of Israel, whichever way you want to refer to it as. There are prophecies in the Old Covenant about the Messiah who will come and will save all men. But there's very little said about how the influence and the blessings and the riches of that blessings will actually impact the Gentile world. And Paul realizes that if it is God's plan that everybody must share and he's calling me to participate, then I'm going to take the gospel and I'm going to take it to this Gentile world so that they may understand the riches of God's promised blessing. And so we all need that Paul influence in our life to help us to understand that God has certain things in store for us. Not to be God in our lives, but to help us realize the mystery of this marvelous plan. And ultimately, the plan is the gospel. The plan is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
but not only for salvation to get to heaven one day, for salvation to get to heaven, but also to live a life inspired by the kingdom of God here on earth. We are not here just to pass time, to wait for one day when we will enter into his eternal presence. We are saved to live life with purpose and according to the plan of God right here, right now. Amen. And so each of us are called to be a blessing. Each of us are called to serve. Each of us are called to be a Paul. As much as we need Paul, we are also to be Paul. As much as we need to receive the impartation and the coaching, as much as we need to be accountable, we also need to help others to understand the riches of his blessing. And God has marvelous promises for those who understand this truth. In Isaiah 58, in verse 10 to 11, he says, Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. This is the promise, a deep and profound promise that God gives you when you make up your mind that I exist to help other people, that I want other people to be blessed also. Because those dry seasons do come, don't they? And those dark times do come, and the confusion does set in, and the anxiety and the the impact of life's issues, they do come. But the instruction from Scripture is clear. Look out for other people. Look out for other people. Proverbs 11.25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I can tell you that I have lived this scripture since the first time I've heard it. That it is not about me. That it is not about what I can get and what I can attain and hold to myself. But everybody that I get into contact with, I want them to understand and experience the grace of God and his promised riches. Because it is his desire that all men be saved and that no one should perish. God doesn't want to exclude anybody. But how will they experience the refreshing if nobody goes? How will they understand the goodness of his riches and the promise of his blessing if nobody speaks to them, if nobody serves them, if nobody loves them? And God is not calling you to every single man on earth. There's a few. There's a select few. How do we unlock that grace and God's mighty power that enables us to discover our purpose? The Lord revealed to me three key principles from Scripture and my own journey that will help us to unlock His grace and mighty power for us to live out our purpose in His plan. Those three keys are faithfulness, obedience, and authority. And so I briefly want to share with you something about each one of these. This is what is needed to unlock the grace. You cannot earn God's grace. You have been saved by grace through faith. The things that I'm speaking about here is not unto your salvation. 
The things that I'm speaking about here this morning is what you live out from your salvation, from the miracle of the fact that you have been saved by grace no matter who you are, no matter what your life was like, no matter the sinful state that you were in, no matter how lost and desperate you were, that God came to save you for a reason. And faithfulness is what's needed to unlock God's trust in you. God needs to place in your care, in your position, the things needed to do the work on the earth. But he needs a man or a woman that he can trust. And trust and faithfulness don't come when you attain an honorable position or a title. You need to be faithful where you are with what God has given you. Faithfulness begins, gets tested, and will be perfected in service in no other way. If you claim to be a faithful servant of the Lord, you cannot stand by on the sidelines and say, let other people do it. Let them serve. I will just enjoy. God is looking for faithful people. Faithful people who get involved. Faithful people, even though it's awkward and even though this is not normal for me, or I don't like this, or I'm not ready for this. God looks for the heart that says, Lord, if you want me to serve here, I'm serving here. The rest of it will work out as we go. From the many titles for Jesus, one often forgotten or neglected one is the title of servant. Matthew 12, verse 17 to 18 This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Look at my servant. My servant, his father is saying, this is the prophecy about Jesus. Look at my servant, the one who's come to serve not the one who has come to be worshipped and the one who is standing on the sideline and try to make everything happen on autopilot. No, the one who wants to get involved, who wants to serve, who sees the problem and says, my father, can you help? Can I lay hands? Can I speak? Can I encourage? Can I do something? Purpose cannot exist outside of faithfulness. And it is in the service I very often find that you will have a greater and far more enriching experience about what your purpose is. Oftentimes we sit and we say, I want to know my purpose so that I can do. Where God is saying, you need to do and I will show you your purpose. Amen? Amen. We are also to learn to use what we've got to serve God's people. We don't have to have it all figured out. But faithfulness is the requirement for taking the gospel from one generation to the next. Second Timothy 2, chapter 2 and verse 2. Paul encouraging Timothy to take the teachings, take all the instructions, take everything that I have taught you now, Timothy. Take this impartation. Take everything I've placed in your care. Take this and pass it on to other faithful men. That is a very clear instruction from Paul to Timothy. Take this and only pass it on to faithful men who must pass it on to other faithful men. 
Nothing happens outside of faithfulness. In this last few weeks, when we've come to prayer meeting on, a, well, used to be on a Monday now, on a Tuesday, God has been reminding me of the early parts of my journey with him. I was saved and, and very soon after was launched into ministry. There wasn't a, a long waiting period. and There wasn't, from what I recall, a time or a space where I was just saved and doing nothing for a few years. It was very soon after my call that he instructed me to submit and to serve wherever he is placing me. And I shared with the, the group on, uh, on one Tuesday evening, he's reminding me in this season about what it took to establish a youth ministry that many years ago. And when we came in, what, the one thing that we knew as the facilitators then is that it is better to close this down and to restart. We want to restart a youth ministry in this community. None of us with any experience, none of us quite knowing what we are going to do or how we are going to do this, but we know that our youth is in need and we want to worship and honor the Father where he's placed us. So we shut it down. And for eight months, with the help of, of facilitators that came in, for eight months, every Monday, every Wednesday, sometimes on a Friday, sometimes the entire week into the weekend, we would just spend time in prayer and in worship. For eight months, not preaching, not teaching, not going out, not doing anything, but submitting ourselves faithfully to being taught and to praying. Every Monday night, praying and praying and praying all hours of the night. Sometimes nobody can teach or preach or do anything because the Spirit is moving and is blessing us and is imparting things and chains are breaking among us as facilitators and we begin to see and understand things that the Lord wants to do. And after that season has passed and we launched the youth ministry, every Friday night for three years, young people were being saved and restored. That's one up there. Every single Friday night, the gifts of the Spirit unleashed. Every single Friday night, young people coming, speaking in new tongues. And may I tell you that this is happening in the context of an Anglican church where we don't speak about things like this. It's not that they reject it, it's but that they don't put emphasis on it. Can you imagine that a group of high school kids not knowing anything about the gospel and they come into contact for the first time and the Spirit moves and their lives are being restored? And we hear testimony after testimony of how this gospel message is impacting their lives. But it came as a result of the faithfulness, of the sacrifice, of diligent prayer and worship, seeking God's face, understanding what he wants to do, and us just saying, Lord, we want to cooperate with your plan. So faithfulness is the first key to understand and to unlock God's grace to uncover your purpose. The second key is obedience. And I always see obedience as preparation for the harvest. Bearing fruit for the kingdom starts with obedience. And as with faithfulness, obedience is vital to discovering our purpose in God's plan. We don't like this word obedience because this typically means that somebody's going to say something and I don't have a choice in the matter. I just have to do what they say. We don't like obedience. Obedience, and all these wonderful things, I now need to consider obedience 
Isn't that something that you teach a child? Surely by now I'm an obedient adult. But Jesus says these words in John 15, 14 to 17, you are my friends if you do what I command. In other words, if you obey my commandment, I consider you my friend. If you are obedient to my word, my instruction, I consider you my friend. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. What's the opposite of that? The master confides in his friends. And he's just called us to be and showed us how to be a friend. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. I'm sure that when you think about exercising your purpose, that you want to produce lasting fruit. But it starts with obedience. It starts with me submitting to the word and the will of God. You cannot have your own way and live a life of purpose. You will very soon discover that the two just don't go together. But thank God for his grace, that though his standard is high, his grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name. What is it that I need to be obedient to? He tells us, he says, this is my command. This is the thing I want you to be obedient to. Love each other. Why has this become so difficult in our day and age? To love. Because we've allowed the impact and the influence of the world to make us so selfish and self-centered that we don't consider for a moment that I actually, as a believer, need to live my life loving other people. And love is more than just the words. We did a teaching a few years ago. Love looks like something. Always looks. You can always point to something and say, that is love in action. Whether it be words or actions, love goes far beyond the good intentions. Oh, but God knows my heart. Well, sometimes he doesn't like what's in our heart. And we need to change it. You can't just intend to love. The only way to love is to love. And you need to show that love and demonstrate that love because he showed and demonstrated that love by sending his one and only son to die for us on the cross of Calvary. Imagine it was just in the heart of God to say, I want to save you. You know, I have such good intentions. I really want to save you. And he leaves it there. What good would that have done to any of us? We would still be in our woeful, desperate, sinful state. But he decided, I'm going to demonstrate my love. And in the highest form, I'll take the only one that I have, and I'll pay the price. Because I love you, and I chose you. And now I'm asking you to love one another. That is my command. And so we see from this portion in John 15, that God wants us to have access to his plan. He says, I want to share the things with you. I want you to realize that you, as my friends, I want to share the stuff with you. I don't want to keep it for myself. I want you to be part of it. I want you to participate in this plan. He says, the master doesn't confide in the slaves, but he shares these things with his friends. 
and you as my friends, I want to share with you. If you come into a relationship with me, and if you love those around you, I'm going to share these things with you. Amen? The third key for unlocking God's grace to exercise my purpose in his plan is authority. Authority unlocks God's influence in us. You cannot be influential in the kingdom if you do not submit or have a concept of submission to authority. Again, this is a difficult one. It's an awkward one. But it is oh so blessed when you begin to understand that I have to submit to authority because his name is on the line. Because I can put my trust in him. And he knows the plans that he has for me. And his grace is sufficient. And if I want to understand that, then I need to submit myself to whoever God is calling me, wherever he wants to plant me, wherever he wants to place me. Where there's authority been given, I submit to that authority. Purpose finds its place within submission. And you and I are authorized to bring about change. Because what do people in authority do? They authorize things. I think we sometimes complicate this, but he's given us authority to authorize things. In other words, to effect change, to put in place, to change the state of, to remove, or to put things in place. He has given us the authority to do it. In other words, you have the right, according to the word of God, to lay your hand on somebody and say, I'm praying for you and I'm believing God for a healing in your body. But you will not understand or be given the grace of authority if you don't know how to submit to that authority. And purpose operates within those boundaries. Purpose operates within the boundaries of authority. Most of us can't live a life of purpose because we are working very hard to be everything to everyone, everywhere. Jesus only influenced 12, and they moved through very select regions. It wasn't just all for everybody, and you know, I, I'm just one man trying to serve every single need physically. There were moments of grace where there was blessing and there was miracles, but ultimately Jesus called 12. What, is, what did that mean? There were boundaries. There were limits here to certain things that I'm only sharing with the 12. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 to 14, I will not boast about the things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news. A modern-day way of saying this is basically stay in your lane. God has planted you in very specific places, spiritually, in your work, your family. God has given you boundaries with people who exercise authority over those boundaries. You belong to a spiritual family. There are boundaries. There are limits. There are 
things that God has called us to do and things that he's not called us to do. We can't compare one ministry to the next and say, that's the good one, that's the better one. No, that's the one that God has given this mission to. So we will focus on this mission. We won't try to look like anybody else or compare ourselves to anybody else. There are boundaries. Somebody else has been given the assignment to impact different areas. And in the same way, you, in your own personal purpose and mission, God has given you boundaries. This is the place I want you to work, so work. This is where I want you to study, so you study here. This is the people I want you to help, so help them. You can't do it for everybody. Because one of the worst things, or a very negative thing that can happen when you try to uncover your purpose is you try to be everything to everyone, just everywhere. But God has called you to a few. Just as Jesus was serving the twelve, he's calling you to a select few. And as you go, he will give you the grace for more if it's his intention. Amen? So if you've been with the Lord for any length of time, you would have a general sense of your gifts or how your resources could be a blessing. And even if it's very gentle, or there are nudges and promptings in your spirit that you want to do more for the Lord, or you want to get involved, you want to submit, you want to unlock that grace and the power of His Spirit. God wants you to be effective, and He wants you to be a good steward of His provision. Bless with what I have given you. Don't wait for something until you can be a blessing. And so this is the challenge. When we speak about purpose, one of the key questions that always come up is, where and who who am I supposed to serve or bless with my gift? And in addition, you may ask, how will I do it? I have this thought or I have this idea. What I often find is that God will plant you where he has already started a work. He's already begun something in that area. He's not asking you to invent anything from scratch. His grace has already begun for all of mankind. His grace is already in action. You don't need to come up with a plan for grace and for forgiveness. What you need to come up with is how do you express that wherever he plants you. And so we lose our opportunity to exercise our purpose when we look for perfect conditions. But Paul says in Philippians, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. I'm going to close off with an account in Acts in two different chapters. It says in, the word says in Acts chapter 6, so the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. So this instruction is very clear. Select seven men, that's the boundary, who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. You cannot select seven men who are full of wisdom and the spirit if they've never been of service to anyone, if they are bystanders, or if they've never gotten involved with anything. It's very difficult for you to just look at somebody and say, I'm guessing that person is full of the spirit and wisdom because they come to church. 
but you will see and acknowledge that gift and understand that person's gifting if you see them in service and you've been blessed by them. And they said, we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, and forgive me with the names, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Paminus, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. You can step into purpose as of today, and the word that Michael had this morning, be quickened when we lay hands on you, we pray for you. But this word is not for somebody who says, I don't want to get involved in anything. I just want to be a bystander. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be, have those awkward moments where I need to get in touch with other people. And I just want to be left alone. This word is for people who say, there's a hunger, there's a burning desire in me because I understand God is calling me to something. And if I can unlock the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, then I will step into it. And we see here that the apostles laid hands on these people and they were sent. Not to go and be faithful, not to go and be filled with the Spirit, because they are filled with the Spirit and they realize that position and the work that God has already done. Let's go to Acts chapter 8 and then we'll pray and begin to close. Now for some time a man called Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed at all the people of Samaria, and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Why this scripture? Because Philip was one of the seven. If we go back to the portion we read earlier, the seven that had to be chosen to run the food program, to do the distribution, Philip was one of them. And he served there faithfully, according to what he was called. He got involved. He submitted. He said, lay hands on me and I will go. I will trust God. So this was Philip's doing. The teaching and the preaching and everything else, the apostles were going to handle that. But Philip was faithful where he was placed and with the resources he had been given and with the work he had been called to. And when this man had been undermining the work of God, Simon the sorcerer, doing all sorts of evil things, it is when Philip preached and when Philip opened his mouth and spoke that the people believed. And even this man, filled with witchcraft and all sorts of demonic things, sat up and said, I have to believe. The distributor of the bread, 
the one that just gets involved in the food program. The one who just says, okay, you need food to be handed out. You guys pray and you preach, and we will handle this. Let me submit to this work. But how mightily he was used, as the Bible says, and many believed and were baptized, and even Simon, the sorcerer, believed and was baptized and submitted himself to the gospel. It doesn't matter where you've been placed, what you have in your hand. If you have faith, if you have faith and you are aware of the work of the Spirit in your life, God can use you mightily. And bringing the influence of the kingdom, the riches of God's promised blessing, to where you are is your purpose. God will give you very specific missions and assignments and things that you need to do, but they will all come back to the purpose, to bear fruit for the kingdom, as Jesus said, to be a blessing because you are blessed, to submit yourself to the work, to volunteer, to step into the prayer meetings, to say, I'm not really sure what you guys do here, but I'm here now. And because this is my house, I get involved. Don't you get involved in the things in your own house? Surely if something happens, you need to be aware. Surely if something happens, you participate. Surely if something happens, you get to enjoy it as well. So the house has certain things that happens. We were so blessed this morning that this whole section here was filled with the people who've just come to serve this morning. From the ushers to hospitality, and Sunday school teachers, and those who lead us in the word and the worship and sound. Find your place, because this is your house. The one thing that God revealed to me very early on when I came to this church is that whenever you have need in this house, the stuff that you need to solve that problem or to see through that need is in the house. It might not be a tangible resource, but there will be wisdom. There will be guidance. There will be counseling. There will be connections. Somebody can say, I can't actually help you, but I know that somebody can. Why would God place you in a house and tell you to go and eat somewhere else? That doesn't make sense. This is your house. You get to enjoy the grace and the blessing that's on this house. And so many times we've seen that the influence of the kingdom that has touched this house touches our own life. So why would we not bring other people towards this ministry and see that they also get to taste of the fruit of the kingdom, that they also get to see the expression of God's love in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.